The Live Series. Powered by Amicus. With your host, Heather Story. Hello and welcome back to the live series brought to you by Amicus Recruitment. This is the podcast that gives you the insight into the life and role of tech leaders all over the world. And today I'm joined by Sergi Banyos, CTO over at WeFox. Sergi, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me here. I'm doing really well. So nice to be here and to have some chat and being able to yeah share some thoughts, experience of WeFox that I had during the last seven years. Perfect. I know you said it, it's seven years and you've obviously you've had an incredible career in such a short time. So um, let's dive straight in, shall we? And, and would you just mind for people that maybe haven't heard of your work, just give us a little bit of background about your role at WeFox and just a little bit about the company too? Good. Yes. So I'm the CTO at WeFox. I'm in charge of all the technology department. WeFox is a um, company in the insurance industry. We basically take the concept of insurance we believe that it's something really beautiful, the concept, you have a problem, I helped you. Um, and we are getting this concept to back to 21st century using technology. My role is leading all this area. Um, during the last seven years, everything has been changed, um, including my role. Later, we uh, can find out how this role changed. But currently, um, my role is like an enabler. So I'm basically in charge of the technology strategy and making sure that the business strategy fits really well with the technology that we are applying and delivering every single day. That's perfect. That's perfect. I know you mentioned there that your role has changed quite a bit over the years. So do you maybe want to elaborate on that a little bit and uh, and let us know kind of how it all started for you? Yeah. So um, actually, uh, uh, 1st of February, I met in the seven years. I started seven years ago on the 1st of February. And I, I started as an intern. Um, I was one of the first employees. We were just three persons within the team. Not even the founders were uh, working in the company yet. So we, our role there or my role there, it was like delivering something you know it's like deliver an mvp start to do something start to buy understanding an entire industry like it's insurance i didn't have previous experience so what i did is i started to get all the understanding and the role there was i consider firefighting is everything that needs to be done to basically line something and to have something into the market had to be done Later, um, I got uh, into more a, pos- a position of uh, taking care of the contact between business and technology. Um, I'm uh, having one of the skills that understanding these business needs and applying a technology solution for them. So um, I think that it's key for a CTO role, for any person that tries to become a, a, a leader in technology to make sure they understand the business. Because often business doesn't understand technology and technology doesn't understand business. So this is why your position in the middle will be not a translator, maybe sometimes yes, but it's more like basically a facilitator of conversations. And this basically was the second step of my of my role was, okay, what we need from the business perspective, what we have from technology and what we want to accomplish on the technology area and make sure that these two fit really well. Mm-hmm. And this was the second step. I consider a third step in the middle that was like being more proactive in business 
suggesting right. solutions, contributing to a strategy, um, bringing technology solutions as part of the business strategy, and making sure to, that contributes to the overall company valuation. This includes to get outside of the comfort zone for a tech person, because mm -hmm. you have to get into business meetings, you have to understand the business, you have to get sometimes in front of the investors. Yeah. And it's not often where the tech people eat in front of the investors. Yeah. And um, finally, in my role today, it's more like completely decoupled from the technical deep and it's basically working on recruiting culture technology culture attracting talent creating talent and making sure that everybody um, in the technology and business can work together yeah that's amazing and i know when we spoke before that you said kind of um that the progression of sort of opening your eyes a little bit to different aspects of a company and and having to sort of adapt a little bit and learning all those kind of new, well, not not quite soft skills, but that, but certainly kind of stretching yourself across a few areas that maybe not all CTOs always have to do. Um, so that's super interesting. Um, so just could you just want to tell me a little bit about maybe how um, I don't know, like you are you am I right thinking you're in charge of maybe like 150 people at the moment? Um, it's like what 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 is that like, and and how how can somebody um, maybe aiming to or is finding themselves soon to be in, in a similar position to you and, and running a similar amount of people. Um, what What's that like? How do you keep the culture going? How do you keep a healthy balance between all of the teams? And and, and maybe as well, could you just kind of break down how, how those teams are structured as well? Because I assume that you kind of had a big part to play in, in creating that structure too. Yeah, absolutely. So currently we are 150 rounding um, and developers and engineers. I consider basically everybody in my team as part of the same team. Um, and um, all of them um, have been basically growing uh, personally, but also professionally um, in order that we can handle this growth. A little bit the growth that we had is since I started, we have been doubling every year the team from 5 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 45, 96. Yeah. And now we are in the growth to growing for over 200 plus. I don't like to basically always have the tendency to think that more heads do more. So yeah. not just having more people, we're going to be able to deliver more business value. We're going to be able to adapt faster to the journey to the customer needs. So yeah. this is why we focus on optimization, the delivery. Okay. And um, for that, one point that you mentioned, the prerequisite is to have the right structure and the right organization mm -hmm. for uh, making this happen at, um, due to the right size of the team. So you cannot try to apply an organization of 100 plus engineers mm -hmm. uh, when you are only 20. This is often some problem that happens in some companies. The startups, I see a mentor of some startups that they basically try to apply a Spotify model on a 20-person team, you know? And, yeah. um, and these kind of models and organizational setups require a maturity of a product and basically a maturity of a delivery platform and, um, and, and the size of the team that it's not 20 or early stage startup. So this is why the first advice that I will say to any person in charge of a technology department is think on the size that you have 
and uh, try to look for the right solution for this moment in time that your team is. Otherwise, what you generate is frustration to the team because you want to arrive to this a kind of self-service team that they can do um, uh, their own uh, user stories, that they can really um, uh, take accountability of what they are doing in daily yeah. basis, but they will not be able to do it because they are lacking uh, um, people, they are lacking some skill set within the team, they are having um, um, like a fake um, um, separation because they have to, you only have one team doing everything. So at the end, you don't have this autonomous team doing different things at the end. Um, so this is why this will be the first advice. At WeFox, um, basically, we uh, until we were 50 um, um, a person team, we were separated by more layers. Um, but keeping the user and the product in mind. So for example, we had our customers and our brokers. So we had the customer team and the broker team. And um, all these were all together um, delivering the customer value and the broker value. Of course, they had some dependencies because we at WeFox, we want to deliver a, a full value proposition for yeah. both uh, customers, but they had a concrete focus and a concrete persona behind the product. Okay. Mm -hmm. When we reached the 50 um, um, uh, people um, threshold, we switched to more um, business oriented. So we got the entire value change of insurance. Uh, we break it down into um, business um, areas and we call it domains. So mm -hmm. basically more towards a domain driven yeah. uh, design. And we started to say, okay, we, our strategy is to maximize everything. We want to maximize the claim experience. We want to maximize the policy management experience, the FinOps uh, process, financial processes, payments, and everything, and the, cost and the communication. So if we want to prioritize and maximize all of them, we have to create a team for each of them. So yeah. this is why we started to define all the domains. Currently, we have eight domains and that goes from the insurance product definition and new product launches to the accounting and financial reporting really deep into the system. But all of them have different personas, different value propositions, and they become the team all of a sudden become experts in the business. Yeah. The claims team of technology it's an expert on business um, and claims management. And they have a clear counterpart that is the claims team and both of them can maximize the journey for the end customer. And this is how we are structured today. And it's a structured organization that enable to grow because if we want to, um, for example, in this last budget round, I asked to, must be, I asked to my business, what do you want to prioritize? What yeah. we want to invest on? And they said, for example, our services. We want to create best-in-class services, global services that enable our customers to reach us 24-7. Then yeah. where we prioritized the investment on technology was a communication domain, the claims domain, and uh, the policy management domain in order that this was possible to be maximized. But for sure, we are speaking about uh, 13 teams here, 13 teams, full-blown teams, full cross-functional with all the skill sets, including QA, DevOps, in order that I can create a culture, and this I'm linking to the culture part, that it's you make it, you run it at the end of the day. You are the expert, you create something, so I really expect from you as a team that whatever you make works. And if it doesn't work, it's not blaming another team. It's not blaming, oh, the DevOps team has not done it or the, Q, the quality assurance team has not really do the quality appropriately. No, no, mm -hmm. it's you. 
you as a team with different skill sets have to take care of basically what you are creating. And all of a sudden, you as CTO, you are delegating the entire um, authority to the team. Yeah. Um, and you become, uh, sometimes I may find like a cheerleader that is like, come on team, we can make it, you know? And this is the most centered because it's about pushing the team to embrace risk, to con embrace controlled risk and to deliver as soon as possible in a shorter amount of time, business value. I love that. I love that. I remember before when we were speaking a little bit um, and you said, uh, you, you, if you make it, you, 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 put, you own it. Um, and I think that's, that's really, it's an interesting thing to say because I think even though that's kind of an authoritative stance, I think is at the same time, it, it, it will help someone in a managerial kind of position to, to show a little bit of vulnerability too. Um, cause it's kind of going to encourage people to want to get better at what they're doing and make sure, you know, fix more problems, I suppose, in that sense. So I really love that, uh, that attitude, to be honest, and it's super interesting. So when you are running that many people, how uh, is that all remotely that you're doing that currently? And and so, yeah, so so what? How on earth are you managing kind of 150 people um, remotely? Like I, I think I know like it's it's kind of the given now that people are. Um, it was almost people's hands were forced to initially to do that, but then certain organisations have chosen to stick to stick with that sort of structure. So how as a leader are you sort of how did how did you adapt? To work remotely, or we always working remotely, or or how how does that kind of is there extra sort of measures that you have to put in to make sure that things kind of stay on track and 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 the communication still there as well? Yeah. So, um, I, since we created the technology team, um, um, and really early on, we took the remote first approach. So. Um, and we basically let the people decide from where they wanted to work. We have created a culture of freedom where basically I trust that you are not cheating the game, that you are basically are working from home, from a coffee place, from some uh, um, from the office. I will expect you to do the same. And I'm more, rather more interested that if you are not working, understand why you are not working. What makes you really don't want to work? It's basically a problem that you had with some colleague. It's a problem that you are having on the on the delivery or in the product, you don't feel motivated. These are rather the conversations that I really would like to have. So this is why I embrace the team since really early on to work from home. I can already tell you that the day that was and that is raining, nobody comes to the office because everybody wants to stay at home, really warm with pyjama, working. And the good part is that a developer and engineer can del continue delivering in the same speed but even sometimes even faster with better quality, being at home fully focused and optimize their day. Also, this gives the opportunity to people to decide how they balance their work-life balance. Mm -hmm. They have a full control of an ownership of their life. And if they, if they can do the work that they have agreed within the team in six hours instead of eight, for me, it's perfect. I don't want them to be eight hours there. I want them to deliver the work. And if they yeah. do it in less time and they have more free time to investigate, to research, to do some training, some POC or some other thing like will we go to the school to pick up the daughter, it's better for me and it's better for him because it's how to create this perfect work-life balance. I have to say that in, in, in 2020, when basically the entire world got forced to um, be on remote, 
the problem that we had was not that much on the remote area, on the remote coordination and things like this. This was fine. was more in the people mental health. All of a sudden, we got forced to be at home. We got basically imposed that we had to be working in a system that we were not used to. And the people started to basically think too much on things that were not um, real or having problems, stress and things like this. And was basically for the surrounding that we were. This is why in the company at WeFox, we started to prioritize a lot the mental health programs where basically we wanted to support our engineers, but of course to the entire company. And we really start to do some actions to say, take care of yourself, take care of your health, because that's exploding or forcing a person that is not good, is not in a good stage to work, will not deliver a good work, will be impact negatively to the company, will impact negatively to the health of the people. And this is the system that we are applying. Like, you can continue work remote, you have to take care of your health, you can basically um, um, decide how to work and when to work, by, while continue maintaining the compromise with the company that the, the company is giving you this freedom. So don't take too much freedom away from the company, like not delivering, not joining to meetings that you agreed to be there, like and not responding to the teams. This, it's creating a culture that is not me managing the team. I, I have to be honest, I don't manage my team in remote. It's the entire team managing themselves because it's not me saying, oh, you are not performing. I don't know if they are really um, delivering or not, but the team is saying me, I, we don't want to work with this person in our team because he doesn't join to the dailies, he don't join, he basically agreed to deliver something that he is not delivering. And this is how basically you can maintain a culture of 150 people in full remote by creating this trust, this freedom, and making sure that everybody understands that the accountability and responsibility of maintaining this freedom is on themselves. And if you don't want that somebody takes your freedom away, better don't take the freedom away of the others. And this is basically how we have find this balance. Yeah, I, I like that stance a lot when, you, when you kind of, you, you're kind of relying on your team. I guess people, that's kind of what people tend to do anyways, is rely on their team to get back to them with any kind of negative feedback or, or constructive, uh, sorry, constructive feedback as well. But um, I like that when you say like, I, I don't manage my team, like they kind of, they, they let me know because, you know, you don't want to dictate at the end of the day. You don't want to be constantly asking, asking for feedback. Um, so, we, we, so if you're all, is it kind of, is it quite flexible at the moment? And do people kind of have the option to be in or out of the office? Cause I'd quite like to touch on, like, I'm quite interested to know how people are kind of networking these days. Um, is it, are you attending a lot of virtual events? Do you encourage your team to kind of attend a lot of virtual events or, um, how, how, and as well, how do you kind of engage with people across across your position as well? Um, and do do you encourage team to to do the same thing too? Yeah. So first of all, within the company, what we basically promote more is that the time in the office is to build connections. This is something that we have realized that basically being forced to be fully remote, people doesn't build connections that easily or not meaningful connections. And this is basically something that technology has not overcome. Being in a screen time, jumping from one meeting to another, uh, switching doesn't create this meaningful relationship of uh, chit chatting be between meetings and basically knowing what has you done on the weekend and things like this. That is yeah. in the remote environment, there is no time for it. This is why for me, going to the office is not to work, it's to build relationships. 
is like to make a meaningful whiteboard sessions is to basically engage and make some uh, team event um, of really not having laptops and post it uh, in the world is like by changing making some presentations or we just go to lunch it's by basically creating this connection so this is first of all we follow in terms of restriction we follow the government guidelines so if the government says that advice to not open the offices we don't open and if we can have the availability we put the office to um, and the self of our teams, okay? Um, and later, um, in terms of encouraging to join to other meetings, um, um, what we do is basically um, explore which teams um, I, and in which first um, conference we uh, would like to be um, present as a WeFox, but as well, we give a budget to the teams in order that they can join to any team event that they select. We consider that communication, networking, experimenting in hackathons, in some conference, and things like this is part of a training. A really experienced experience developer will not take most likely a, a course or a degree in, in some platform. What they will do is basically get a conference ticket to and go to um, see the latest trends in Android or in Docker or in, in Java and things like this. This is why we look for sponsorship, certain events, and some other times the teams participate on, on, by themselves. If they are virtual, virtual, now it looks like basically this year, last year, some events were physical and they were able to also build connections. Because this is a way to as well attract talent, create talent, and this is basically where we really focus on. Yeah, flexibility is so key, isn't it, in an organisation at the moment? I think we we find a lot of that. Obviously, I'm I'm in the marketing department here at Amicus, but I, I, I hear the sort of really similar conversations a lot between the recruitment consultants, and um, it, you can hear how, how important it is when when they're talking and and when a candidate's kind of attract getting attracted to a role. For example, they one of the main things they're asking is is you know, can I be remote? But I mean, because for me personally, I, I don't think I could work remotely full time. I, I kind of need to be in the office and see pe real people and be able to communicate a little bit. And it sounds like you're kind of nailing that over at WeFox. So, so that's super interesting. So that so that's your employees. Why you do you spend some time yourself networking? Do you get to engage with with other people at, at kind of your level? Yeah, so I, I really like to connect with a lot of people on really other um, technology leaders. I also do mentorship to um, some people that approach me for um, advice. Um, and also, um, we are lucky on being on an ecosystem that we have created in, in Berlin with multiple startups mm -hmm. and that we were basically really linked by VCs or by uh, founders. Um, and we exchange a lot between um, the technical leaders, CTOs, and um, we also support new vehicles and new uh, people coming to the ecosystem and just um, making an MVP early stage by advising them. And this is basically what we are looking to create is like kind of a network of and really see how we can support people and support talent uh, with maybe experience um, and most likely at certain advice in terms of technology, organization, methodology, recruiting and things like this. 
Um, I have to say that often is ex expanding the network is not easy in view that basically CTOs, we tend to be more uh, shy, not be in the light and reaching a CTO normally it's through uh, um, CEO exchange or through some business counterpart or something like this. But I always love to exchange with um, um, uh, technology leaders of other industries and, and, uh, and exchange some chat and some philosophy. Oh, that's super interesting. Sorry about that. So <laughs> just a bin man just going past my window. We're right next to the airport here. So you've probably heard a few planes over by as well. So apologies if you have picked any of that up. But uh, but that is super interesting. It, it's good to know what kind of networks are out there for, for people in your uh, kind of at your level as well. And like you say, I think um I I think I've 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 found that a few people that I've interviewed kind of at your sort of level within an organization that it's kind of a running theme that the the they tend to be a little bit more, um, sort of a little bit more, like you said, shy, for lack of a better word, I suppose, as well. But, um, okay, well, in that case, I'll just move on. I tend to ask um, quite a lot of the guests this question, so I'll just end on this, if that's all right. Um, I, I know we touched on sort of advice earlier on for people that kind of want to work through the ranks, so I'll kind of merge two questions into one. My first one would be, what, what kind of advice... Um, if there's any that you didn't mention earlier, would you have for people looking to be in your position? And also, how do you think your team would describe you in three words as a leader? So, asking, replying to the first question, um, I will advise to any leader, but concretely to technology leaders, to work on themselves if they really first, if they would really want to make a change on on a team, um, on a team level. Um, we, if we really want to prepare our team for failure, for example, for experimentation, for um, really um, embrace and uh, this accountability and ownership of the technology, you have to work it first, and you have to be fully convinced of that because this generates some time frustration on yourself by not things being delivered on time or not in the right way that you envision. You have to delegate some ideas and the team in order that they really look for the best answer and this innovation solution. And if you have not worked first to manage this frustration, you will jump really easy into micromanagement and controlling, or you will have really problems on yourself. This will be the first advice in terms of creating a good team that at the end will make you growth as well as a, as a person and professionally because your team will grow and the company will grow. And the second advice that I always give to anybody, not only to technology leaders, is believe in yourself. So everybody will, somebody will doubt on you, but you have to be the first one believing on yourself, believing that you can make it and, and really making sure that you don't doubt on yourself. And if you doubt, work on it. Work on why you don't doubt about you being able to accomplish something or growing the team or being able to raise 20 million, 30 million or whatever from ABC. If you doubt on something, make this retrospective analysis and say, okay, I doubt due to my communication skills. Work on that. I doubt because I am not able to communicate and to understand properly business. Work on that. Make this analysis, believe in yourself, and as soon as you believe in yourself and you're in front of a person, and really knowing that the only thing that you have to do is convincing the other that you can do it, it's going to be much more easy. In terms of how the team will summarize or will describe me in three words, I think that basically 
I will say reliable and they can count with me at any level. Even a new joiner can contact me via the messaging tool of, of the company and really explain, exchange some doubts um, and hesitations that they may have. I also will say that um, and they also um, um, have trust on, on, on the system that we have created and trust on me that I will not um, overrule the system that we have created. And basically, they if I trust on them, they trust on me. And this is how everything is balanced. And finally, um, I will say that um, I use as well the other word freedom because at the end, I give them freedom to decide on what they what they uh, can do, how they can do it. And this as well, it's one of the more values of the team, like freedom on doing whatever I want, however I want, while continuing delivering the business value. So I will say that these three could be three good words. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Um, it, it's been so insightful chatting with you. Um, I think I, we'd definitely love to have you on again. I feel like we could we could go on for quite a long time just chatting about various uh, various topics. I know you've got um, so much to say and it's so insightful what you do have to say as well. Um, but thank you so much, Sergi, for, for, for joining me today. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can hover over the logo in the bottom corner and hit subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok for updates. Head to our website, amicusjobs.com, for tech news, webinars, blogs, and keep up to date on the latest Python, Golang, and JavaScript rules around the globe. Sergi, thanks again so much. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you very much for having me here. It was a pleasure.